Chapter 14 of Thrilling Narratives of Mutiny, Murder, and Piracy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Maxwell. Thrilling Narratives of Mutiny, Murder, and Piracy by Anonymous. Chapter 14 Wreck of the French Frigate Medusa on the Arguin Bank. Part 3 when about to resume our journey, we saw several Moors approaching us armed with lances. Our people instantly seized their arms and put themselves in readiness to defend us in case of an attack. Two officers, followed by several soldiers and sailors, with our interpreter, advanced to discover their intentions. They instantly returned with the Moors, who said that far from wishing to do us harm, they had come to offer us their assistance and to conduct us to Senegal. This offer being accepted of with gratitude by all of us, the Moors, of whom we had been so afraid, became our protectors and friends, verifying the old proverb, there are good people everywhere. As the camp of the Moors was at some considerable distance from where we were, we set off altogether to reach it before night. After having walked about two leagues through the burning sands, we found ourselves again upon the shore. Towards night, our conductors made us strike again into the interior, saying we were near their camp, which is called in their language Berkelet. But the short distance of the moors was found very long by the females and the children, on account of the downs of sand which we had to ascend and descend every instant, also of prickly shrubs over which we were frequently obliged to walk. Those who were barefelted felt most severely at this time the want of their shoes. I myself lost among the bushes various shreds of my dress, and my feet and legs were all streaming with blood. At length, after two hours of walking and suffering, we arrived at the camp of that tribe to which belonged our Arab conductors. We had scarcely got into the camp when the dogs, the children, and the Moorish women began to annoy us. Some of them threw sand in our eyes, others amused themselves by snatching at our hair, on pretense of wishing to examine it. This pinched us, that spit upon us. The dogs bit our legs, whilst the old harpies cut the buttons from the officers' coats, or endeavored to take away the lace. Our conductors, however, had pity on us, and chased away the dogs and the curious crowd, who had already made us suffer as much as the thorns which had torn our feet. The chiefs of the camp, our guides, and some good women, at last set about getting us some supper. Water in abundance was given us without payment, and they sold us fish dried in the sun, and some bowls full of sour milk at a reasonable price. We found a Moor in the camp who had previously known my father at Senegal, and who spoke a little French. As soon as he recognized him, he cried, Tiens toi, Picard! N'y a pas connaître moi, Emet? Hark ye, Picard, know you not, Emet? We were all struck with astonishment at these French words coming from the mouth of a Moor. My father recollected having employed long ago a young goldsmith at Senegal, and discovering the Moor Emet to be the same person, shook him by the hand. After that good fellow had been made acquainted with our shipwreck and to what extremities our unfortunate family had been reduced, he could not refrain from tears, and this perhaps was the first time a Mussulman had ever wept over the misfortunes of a Christian. Amet was not satisfied with deploring our hard fate. He was desirous of proving that he was generous and humane, and instantly distributed among us a large quantity of milk and water free of any charge. He also raised for our family a large tent of the skins of camels, cattle, and sheep, because his religion would not allow him to lodge with Christians under the same roof. 
The place appeared very dark, and the obscurity made us uneasy. Ahmet and our conductors lighted a large fire to quiet us, and at last, bidding us good night and retiring to his tent, said, Sleep in peace, the God of the Christians is also the God of the Mussulman. We had resolved to quit this truly hospitable place early in the morning, but during the night some people who had probably too much money imagined the Moors had taken us to their camp to plunder us. They communicated their fears to others, and pretending that the Moors, who had walked up and down among their flocks and cried from time to time to keep away the ferocious beasts, had already given the signal for pursuing and murdering us. Instantly a general panic seized all our people, and they wished to set off forthwith. My father, although he well knew the perfidy of the inhabitants of the desert, endeavored to assure them we had nothing to fear, because the Arabs were too frightened for the people of Senegal, who would not fail to avenge us if we were insulted. But nothing could quiet their apprehensions, and we had to take the route during the middle of the night. The Moors, being soon acquainted with our fears, made us all kinds of protestations, and seeing we persisted in quitting the camp, offered us asses to carry us as far as the Senegal. These beasts of burden were hired at the rate of twelve francs a day, for each head, and we took our departure under the guidance of those Moors who had before conducted us to the camp. Ahmet's wife, being unwell, he could not accompany us, but recommended us strongly to our guides. My father was able to hire only two asses for the whole of our family, and as it was numerous, my sister Carolyn, my cousin, and myself were obliged to crawl along, whilst my unfortunate father followed in the suite of the caravan, which in truth went much quicker than we did. A short distance from the camp, the brave and compassionate Captain Bernier, seeing we still walked, obliged us to accept of the ass he had hired for himself, saying he would not ride when young ladies exhausted with fatigue followed on foot. The king afterwards honorably recompensed this worthy officer, who ceased not to regard our unfortunate family with a care and attention I will never forget. During the remainder of the night we traveled in a manner sufficiently agreeable, mounting alternately the ass of Captain Bernier. At five in the morning of the 11th of July we regained the seashore. Our asses, fatigued with the long journey among the sand, ran instantly and lay down among the breakers, in spite of our utmost exertions to prevent them. This caused several of us to take a bath we wished not. I myself held under my ass in the water, and had great difficulty in saving one of my young brothers who was floating away. But in the end, as this incident had no unfortunate issue, we laughed and continued our route, some on foot and some on the capricious asses. Towards ten o'clock, perceiving a ship out at sea, we attached a white handkerchief to the muzzle of a gun, waving it in the air, and soon had the satisfaction of seeing it was noticed. The ship having approached sufficiently near the coast, the moors who were with us threw themselves into the sea and swam to it. It must be said we had very wrongfully supposed that these people had had a design against us, for their devotion could not appear greater than when five of them darted through the waves to endeavor to communicate between us and the ship notwithstanding it was still a good quarter of a league distance from where we stood on the beach. In about half an hour we saw these good moors returning, making float before them three small barrels. Arrived on shore, one of them gave a letter to M. Espieu from M. Parnajan. This gentleman was the captain of the Argus brig, sent to seek after the raft, and to give us provisions. This letter announced a small barrel of biscuit, a tierce of wine, a half tierce of brandy, and a Dutch cheese. 
oh fortunate event we were very desirous of testifying our gratitude to the generous commander of the brig but he instantly set out and left us we staved the barrels which held our small stock of provisions and made a distribution each of us had a biscuit about a glass of wine a half glass of brandy and a small morsel of cheese each drank his allowance of wine at one gulp the brandy was not even despised by the ladies i however preferred quantity to quality and exchanged my ration of brandy for that of wine to describe our joy while taking this repast is impossible exposed to the fierce rays of a vertical sun exhausted by a long train of suffering deprived for a long while the use of any kind of spirituous liquors when our portions of water wine and brandy mingled in our stomachs we became like insane people life which had lately been a great burden now became precious to us foreheads lowering and sulky began to unwrinkle enemies became most brotherly the avaricious endeavored to forget their selfishness and cupidity the children smiled for the first time since our shipwreck in a word everyone seemed to be born again from a condition melancholy and dejected i even believe the sailors sung the praises of their mistresses this journey was the most fortunate for us some short while after our delicious meal we saw several moors approaching who brought milk and butter so that we had refreshments in abundance it is true we paid a little dear for them the glass of milk cost not less than three francs after reposing about three hours our caravan proceeded on its route about six in the evening my father finding himself extremely fatigued wished to rest himself we allowed the caravan to move on while my stepmother and myself remained near him and the rest of the family followed with their asses we all three soon fell asleep when we awoke we were astonished at not seeing our companions the sun was sinking in the west we saw several moors approaching us mounted on camels and my father reproached himself for having slept so long their appearance gave us great uneasiness and we wished much to escape from them but my stepmother and myself fell quite exhausted the moors with long beards having come quite close to us one of them alighted and addressed us in the following words be comforted ladies under the costume of an arab you see an englishman who is desirous of serving you having heard at senegal that frenchmen were thrown ashore upon these deserts i thought my presence might be of some service to them as i was acquainted with several of the princes of this arid country these noble words from the mouth of man we had first taken to be a moor instantly quieted our fears recovering from our fright we rose and expressed to the philanthropic englishman the gratitude we felt mr carnet the name of the generous briton told us that our caravan which he had met waited for us at about the distance of two leagues he then gave us some biscuit which we ate and we then set off together to join our companions mr carnet wished us to mount his camels but my stepmother and myself being unable to persuade ourselves we could sit securely on their hairy haunches continued to walk on the moist sand whilst my father mr carnet and the moors who accompanied him proceeded on the camels we soon reached a little river called in the country margo de maragoins we wished to drink of it but found it as salt as the sea mr carnet desired us to have patience and we should find some at the place where our caravan waited we forded that river knee-deep at last having walked about an hour we rejoined our companions who had found several wells of fresh water it was resolved to pass the night in this place which seemed less arid than any we saw near us 
the soldiers being requested to go and seek wood to light a fire for the purpose of frightening the ferocious beasts which were heard warring around us refused but mr carnet assured us that the moors who were with him knew well how to keep all such intruders from our camp in truth during the whole of the night these good arabs promenaded round our caravan uttering cries at intervals like those we had heard in the camp of the generous Ahmet. We passed a very good night, and at four in the morning continued our route along the shore. Mr. Carnet left us to endeavor to procure some provisions. Till then our asses had been quite docile, but annoyed with their riders so long upon their backs they refused to go forward. A fit took possession of them, and all at the same instant threw their riders on the ground or among the bushes. The Moors, however, who accompanied us, assisted to catch our capricious animals, who had nearly scampered off and replaced us on the hard backs of these headstrong creatures. At noon the heat became so violent that even the moors themselves bore it with difficulty. We then determined on finding some shade behind the high mounds of sand which appeared in the interior. But how were we to reach them? The sands could not be hotter. We had been obliged to leave our asses on the shore, for they would neither advance nor recede. The greater part of us had neither shoes nor hats, notwithstanding we were obliged to go forward almost a long league to find a little shade. The heat reflected by the sands of the desert could be compared to nothing but the mouth of an oven at the moment of drawing out the bread. Nevertheless, we endured it, but not without cursing those who had been the occasion of all our misfortunes. Arrived behind the heights for which we searched, we stretched ourselves under the Mimos Gomier the acacia of the desert. Several broke branches of the aslepia, swallow-wort, and made themselves a shade. But whether from want of air or the heat of the ground on which we were seated, we were nearly all suffocated. I thought my last hour was come. Already my eyes saw nothing but a dark cloud when a person of the name of Berner, who was to have been a smith at Senegal, gave me a boot containing some muddy water, which he had had the precaution to keep. I seized the elastic vase and hastened to swallow the liquid in large draughts. One of my companions, equally tormented with thirst, envious of the pleasure I seemed to feel, and which I felt effectually, drew the foot from the boot and seized it in his turn, but it availed him nothing. The water which remained was so disgusting that he could not drink it and spilled it on the ground. Captain Bernier who was present, judging by the water which fell, how loathsome this must have been which I drank, offered me some crumbs of biscuit, which he kept most carefully in his pocket. I chewed that mixture of bread, dust, and tobacco, but I could not swallow it, and gave it all masticated to one of my young brothers, who had fallen from inanimation. We were about to quit this furnace, when we saw our generous Englishman approaching, who brought us provisions. At this sight I felt my strength revive and cease to desire death, which I had before called on to release me from my sufferings. Several moors accompanied Mr. Carnet, and every one was loaded. On their arrival we had water with rice and dried fish in abundance. Everyone drank his allowance of water, but had not ability to eat, although the rice was excellent. We were all anxious to return to the sea that we might bathe ourselves, and the caravan put itself on the road to the breakers of Sahara. After an hour's march of great suffering, we regained the shore, as well as our asses who were lying in the water. We rushed among the waves, and after a bath of half an hour, we reposed ourselves upon the beach. My cousin and I went to stretch ourselves upon a small rising ground, where we were shaded with some old clothes which we had with us. 
my cousin was clad in an officer's uniform the lace of which strongly attracted the eyes of mr carnet's moors scarcely had we laid down when one of them thinking we were asleep came to endeavor to steal it but seeing we were awake contented himself by looking at us very steadily about three in the morning a northwest wind having sprang up and a little refreshed us our caravan continued its route our generous englishman again taking the task of procuring us provisions at four o'clock the sky became overcast and we heard thunder in the distance we all expected a great tempest which happily did not take place near seven we reached the spot where we were to wait for mr carnet who came to us with a bullock he had purchased then quitting the shore we went into the interior to seek a place to cook our supper we fixed our camp beside a small wood of acacias near to which were several wells or cisterns of fresh water our ox was instantly killed skinned cut to pieces and distributed a huge fire was kindled and each was occupied in dressing his meal at this time i caught a smart fever notwithstanding i could not help laughing at seeing every one seated round a large fire holding his piece of beef on the point of his bayonet a sabre or some sharp pointed stick the flickering of the flames on the different faces sunburned and covered with long beards rendered more visible by the darkness of the night joined to the noises of the waves and the roaring of ferocious beasts which we heard in the distance presented a spectacle at once laughable and imposing while these thoughts were passing across my mind sleep overpowered my senses being awakened in the middle of the night i found my portion of beef in the shoes which an old sailor had lent me for walking among the thorns although it was a little burned and smelt strongly of the dish in which it was contained i ate a good part of it and gave the rest to my friend the sailor that seaman seeing i was ill offered to exchange my meat for some which he had had the address to boil in a small tin box i prayed him to give me a little water if he had any and he instantly went and fetched me some in his hat my thirst was so great that i drank it out of his nasty hat without any repugnance at nine o'clock we met upon the shore a large flock herded by young moors these shepherds sold us milk and one of them offered to lend my father an ass for a knife which he had seen him take out of his pocket my father accepted the proposal the moor left his companion to accompany us as far as senegal from which we were yet two good leagues suddenly we left the shore our companions appearing quite transported with joy some of us ran forward and having gained a slight rising ground discovered the senegal at no great distance we hastened our march and for the first time since our shipwreck a smiling picture presented itself to our view the trees always green with which that noble river is shaded the humming-birds the red-birds the parquets the promerops etc who flitted among their long yielding branches caused in us emotions difficult to express we could not satiate our eyes with gazing on the beauties of this place verdure being so enchanting to the sight especially after having traveled through the desert before reaching the river we had to descend the little hill covered with thorny bushes my ass stumbling threw me into the midst of one and i tore myself in several places but was easily consoled when i at length found myself on the banks of a river of fresh water everyone having quenched his thirst we stretched ourselves under the shade of a small grove while the beneficent mr carnet and two of our officers set forward to senegal to announce our arrival and to get us boats in the meanwhile some took a little repose and others were engaged in dressing the wounds with which they were covered 
at two in the afternoon we saw a small boat beating against the current of the stream with oars it soon reached the spot where we were two europeans landed saluted our caravans and inquired for my father one of them said he came on the part of messrs artique and labor inhabitants of senegal to offer assistance to our family the other added that he had not waited for the boats which were getting ready for us at the island of st louis knowing too well what would be our deed we were desirous of thanking them but they instantly ran off to a boat and brought us provisions which my father's old friends had sent him they placed before us a large basket containing several loaves cheese a bottle of madeira a bottle of filtered water and dresses for my father every one who during our journey had taken any interest in our unfortunate family and especially the brave captain bernier had a share of our provisions we experienced a real satisfaction in partaking with them and giving them the small mark of our gratitude a young aspirant of marine who had refused us a glass of water in the desert pressed with hunger begged us some bread he got it also a small glass of madeira it was four o'clock before the boats of the government arrived and we all embarked biscuit and wine were found in each of them and all were refreshed that in which our family was commanded by m r t captain of the port and one of those who sent us provisions my father and he embraced as two old friends who had not seen one another for eight years and congratulated themselves that they had been permitted to meet once more before they died we had already made a league upon the river when a young navy clerk m molien was suddenly taken ill we put him ashore and left him to the care of a negro to conduct him to senegal when he should recover it would be in vain for me to paint the various emotions of my mind at that delicious moment i am bold to say all the colony if we except messrs schmaltz and lachamaris were at the port to receive us from our boats m r t going on shore first to acquaint the english governor of our arrival met him coming to us on horseback followed by our generous conductor mr carnet and several superior officers we went on shore carrying our brothers and sisters in our arms my father presented us to the english governor who had alighted he appeared to be sensibly affected with our misfortunes the females and children chiefly excited his commiseration and the native inhabitants and europeans tenderly shook the hands of the unfortunate people the negro slaves even seemed to deplore our disastrous fate the governor placed the most sickly of our companions in a hospital various inhabitants of the colony received others into their houses m r t obligingly took charge of our family arriving at his house we there found his wife two ladies and an english lady who begged to be allowed to assist us taking my sister caroline and myself she conducted us to her house and presented us to her husband who received us in the most affable manner after which she led us to her dressing-room where we were combed cleansed and dressed by the domestic negresses and were most obligingly furnished with linen from her own wardrobe the whiteness of which was strongly contrasted with our sable countenances. In the midst of my misfortunes my soul had preserved all its strength, but this sudden change of situation affected me so much that I thought my intellectual faculties were forsaking me. We were so confused by our agitation that we scarcely heard the questions which were put to us, having constantly before our eyes the foaming waves and the immense track of sand over which we had passed the following is the substance abridged from messrs courier and savigny of what took place on the raft during thirteen days before the sufferers were taken up by the argus brig 
After the boats had disappeared, the consternation became extreme. All the horrors of thirst and famine passed before our imagination. Besides, we had to contend with a treacherous element which already covered the half of our bodies. The deep stupor of the soldiers and sailors instantly changed to despair. All saw their inevitable destruction and expressed by their moans the dark thoughts which brooded in their minds. Our words were at first unavailing to quiet their fears, which we participated with them, but by which a greater strength of mind enabled us to dissemble. At last an unmoved countenance and our proffered consolations quieted them by degrees, but could not entirely dissipate the terror with which they were seized. When tranquillity was a little restored, we began to search about the raft for the charts, the compass, and the anchor, which we presumed had been placed upon it after what we had been told at the time of quitting the frigate. These things of the first importance had not been placed upon our machine. Above all, the want of a compass the most alarmed us, and we gave vent to our rage and vengeance. M. Corred then remembered he had seen one in the hands of the principal workman under his command. He spoke to the man who replied, Yes, yes, I have it with me. This information transported us with joy, and we believed that our safety depended upon this futile resource. It was about the size of a crown piece, and very incorrect. Those who have not been in situations in which their existence was exposed to extreme peril can have but a faint knowledge of the price one attaches then to the simplest objects, with what avidity one seizes the slightest means capable of mitigating the rigor of that fate against which they contend. The compass was given to the commander of the raft, but an accident deprived us of it forever. It fell and disappeared between the pieces of wood which formed our machine. We had kept it but a few hours, and after its loss had nothing to guide us but the rising and setting of the sun. We had all gone afloat without taking any food. Hunger beginning to be imperiously felt, we mixed our paste of sea-biscuit with a little wine, and distributed it thus prepared. Such was our first meal, and the best we had, during our stay upon the raft. An order, accompanying to our numbers, was established for the distribution of our miserable provisions. The ration of wine was fixed at three-quarters a day. We will speak no more of the biscuit, it having been entirely consumed at the first distribution." The day passed away sufficiently tranquil. We talked of the means by which we would save ourselves. We spoke of it as a certain circumstance, which reanimated our courage, and we sustained that of the soldiers by cherishing in them the hope of being able, in a short time, to revenge themselves on those who had abandoned us. This hope of vengeance, it must be avowed, equally animated us all, and we poured out a thousand imprecations against those who had left us a prey to so much misery and danger. The officer who commanded the raft being unable to move, M. Savigny took it upon himself to duty of erecting the mast. He caused them to cut in two one of the poles of the frigate's masts, and fixed it with the rope which had been served to tow us, and of which we made stays and shrouds. It was placed on the anterior third of the raft. We put up for a sail the main top gallant, which trimmed very well, but was of very little use except when the wind served from behind and to keep the raft in this course we were obliged to trim the sail as if the breeze blew athwart us. In the evening our hearts and our prayers, by a feeling natural to the unfortunate, were turned towards heaven. Surrounded by inevitable dangers, we addressed that invisible being who has established and who maintains the order of the universe. 
our vows were fervent and we experienced from our prayers the cheering influence of hope it is necessary to have been in similar situations before one can rightly imagine what a charm is the sublime idea of a god protecting the unfortunate to the heart of the sufferer one consoling thought still soothed our imaginations we persuaded ourselves that the little divisions had gone to the isle of arguin and that after it had set a part of its people on shore the rest would return to our assistance we endeavored to impress this idea on our soldiers and sailors which quieted them the night came without our hope being realized the wind freshened and the sea was considerably swelled what a horrible night the thought of seeing the boats on the morrow a little consoled our men the greater part of whom being unaccustomed to the sea fell on one another at each movement of the raft m savigny seconded by some people who still preserved their presence of mind amidst the disorder stretched cords across the raft by which the men held and were better able to resist the swell of the sea some were even obliged to fasten themselves in the middle of the night the weather was very rough huge waves burst upon us sometimes overturning us with great violence the cries of the men mingled with the flood whilst the terrible sea raised us at every instance from the raft and threatened to sweep us away this scene was rendered still more terrible by the horrors inspired by the darkness of the night suddenly we believed we saw fires in the distance at intervals we had had the precaution to hang at the top of the mast the gunpowder and pistols which we had brought from the frigate we made signals by burning a large quantity of cartridges we even fired some pistols but it seems the fire we saw was nothing but an error of vision or perhaps nothing more than the sparkling of the waves we struggled with death during the whole of the night holding firmly by the ropes which were made very secure tossed by the waves from the back to the front and then from the front to the back and sometimes precipitated into the sea floating between life and death mourning our misfortunes certain of perishing we disputed nevertheless the remainder of our existence with that cruel element which threatened to engulf us such was our condition till daybreak at every instant were heard the lamentable cries of the soldiers and sailors they prepared for death bidding farewell to one another imploring the protection of heaven and addressing fervent prayers to god everyone made vows to him in spite of the certainty of never being able to accomplish them frightful situation how is it possible to have any idea of it which will not fall far short of the reality towards seven in the morning the sea fell a little the wind blew with less fury but what a scene presented itself to our view ten or twelve unfortunates having their inferior extremities fixed in the openings between the pieces of the raft had perished by being unable to disengage themselves several others were swept away by the violence of the sea at the hour of repast we took the numbers anew we had lost twenty men we will not affirm that this was the exact number for we perceived some soldiers who to have more than their share took rations for two and even three we were so huddled together that we found it absolutely impossible to prevent this abuse in the midst of these horrors a touching scene of filial piety drew our tears two young men raised and recognized their father who had fallen and was lying insensible among the feet of the people they believed him at first dead and their despair was expressed in the most affecting manner it was perceived however that he still breathed and every assistance was rendered for his recovery in our power 
he slowly revived and was restored to life and to the prayers of his sons who supported him closely folded in their arms whilst our hearts were softened by this affecting episode in our melancholy adventures we had soon to witness the sad spectacle of a dark contrast two shipboys and a baker feared not to seek death and threw themselves into the sea after having bid farewell to their companions in misfortune already the minds of our people were singularly altered some believed that they saw land others ships which were coming to save us all talked aloud of their fallacious visions we lamented the loss of our unfortunate companions at this moment we were far from anticipating the still more terrible scene which took place on the following night far from that we enjoyed a positive satisfaction so well were we persuaded that the boats would return to our assistance the day was fine and the most perfect tranquillity reigned all the while on our raft the evening came and no boats appeared despondency began again to seize our men and then a spirit of insubordination manifested itself in cries of rage the voice of the officers was entirely disregarded night fell rapidly in the sky was obscured by dark clouds the wind which during the whole day had blown rather violently became furious and swelled the sea which in an instant became very rough the preceding night had been frightful but this was more so mountains of water covered us at every instant and burst with fury into the midst of us very fortunately we had the wind from behind and the strongest of the sea was a little broken by the rapidity with which we were driven before it we were impelled towards the land the men from the violence of the sea were hurried from the back to the front we were obliged to keep to the center the firmest part of the raft and those who could not get there almost all perished before and behind the waves dashed impetuously and swept away the men in spite of all their resistance at the center the pressure was such that some unfortunates were suffocated by the weight of their comrades who fell upon them at every instant the officers kept by the foot of the little mast and were obliged every moment to call to those around them to go to one or the other side to avoid the waves for the sea coming nearly athwart us gave our raft nearly a perpendicular position to counteract which they were forced to throw themselves upon the side raised by the sea the soldiers and sailors frightened by the presence of almost inevitable danger doubted not that they had reached their last hour firmly believing they were lost they resolved to soothe their last moments by drinking till they lost their senses we had no power to oppose this disorder they seized a cask which was in the center of the raft made a little hole in the end of it and with small tin cups each took a pretty large quantity but they were obliged to cease for the sea-water rushed into the hole they had made the fumes of the wine failed not to disorder their brains already weakened by the presence of danger and want of food thus excited these men became deaf to the voice of reason they wished to involve in one common ruin all their companions in misfortune they avowedly expressed their intention of freeing themselves from their officers who they said wished to oppose their design and then to destroy the raft by cutting the ropes which united its different parts immediately after they resolved to put their plans into execution one of them advanced upon the side of the raft with a boarding axe and began to cut the cords this was the signal of revolt we stepped forward to prevent these insane mortals and he who was armed with the hatchet with which he even threatened an officer fell the first victim a stroke of a sabre terminated his existence.
End of chapter 14